Welcome to another episode of the Rescue Storm Mindset Podcast. I am your host, Vince, and joined with my co-host, Cody. Welcome. What's up, Vince? What is up? This is going to be a good episode. We are talking underwaters, everyone's favorite. The science, the technique, the physical, and the mental. It's going to be a good episode. You really got into the nitty-gritty the stuff nitty that we didn't cover. gritty picky. Yes, exactly. Uh, it's, it's great, actually, to see the connection with our courses. We talk about it a lot. But there's a little extra detail there that uh, Dr. Phillips has definitely developed and with his knowledge. So we're going to get into it. Cool. And before we do, now that I'm back in the Coast Guard, I'm just going to read a little a few sentences for everyone listening. The views expressed herein are those of the podcaster, so RSM, and are not to be construed as official and are not reflective of the views of the Commandant or the Coast Guard. Boom. Boom. So, Love it. Let's do some. I do want to talk about the Perfect Form program that's coming out. Uh, a lot of people have wanted to improve their technique or their swimming or their swimming times. Well, you know how you're going to do that? You're going to do that by getting better with your strokes, getting better with your technique, and becoming just rather than just giving her the beans, which we seem to be really good at giving her the beans, but not always taking the time that it takes to perfect your form and your technique, which will allow you to appear like you're giving it the beans, even though you're truly milking it because you're crushing the technique. Exactly. We covered a lot in that course. So I think we should just like kind of read through the main talking points. So here's what we covered. We started off with talking about why form matters. That one, you know, we're going to talk about that in this podcast a lot, actually. So it's really pertinent to, I mean, it just matters a lot. And I know we had a podcast in the past where we talked about how I was like, it doesn't matter that much. It does actually. You won the, the debate. All right. The next <laughs> one is going to be free storm form breakdown. So Vince did a huge freestyle form breakdown. That's the, is that the biggest chunk of the entire course? I think. Yeah. That whole chapter is about 50 minutes. So that's like the longest video section is the freestyle form breakdown. Because if you're an elite military operator or you know, fire department search and rescue, usually you're doing the freestyle stroke is, is the principal stroke. So we really wanted to make sure that was a big part of the perfect form. Boom. Finning techniques and workouts. So that's with and without gear. So we talked about everything like that. I mean, it's pretty obvious why finning is important, especially with those giant fins. We talked about ocean versus pool swim form, which was a smaller section, but there are some minute differences. So Vince covered that in depth. That that's fun because you get to see the difference between a military operator and just a recreational swimmer in a pool and how you implement that in your day-to-day. -day. And we talk a little bit about situational awareness, about the hazards, and how you actually adjust your swimming stroke to yeah. better do that. Right on. Another good one that we talked about was buddy towing. We also covered egg beater, which we also cover in this podcast. It's a big sticking point for a lot of people, especially me. So it's nice to hear from a true professional a professional 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 he's a, he's a professional he's a professional yeah. yep so those are the big points we also covered some underwater science which vince is the go-to on that and underwater form which is basically the entire talking point of this podcast yeah overall what's cool with this course is a it's taught by two professionals now cody and myself it's also including q and a's with the individuals and your peers and similar people that are passionate about bettering themselves in the underwater or the surface swimming world so you get to see the questions and answers that we get from that and it's just a good a good amount of content you get about a little over three hours of uh, instructions as well as a manual so check it out that's the perfect form masterclass. yeah so we'll put the url 
on all of, on our Instagram, you know, link in the bio thing that we always talk about. We'll put the link in the, the show notes here. So it's restconsumermindset.com backslash perfect form. All right, let's get into the podcast. Our water confidence expert, Dr. Alan Phillips. Doctor, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here and, and finally not have to deal with uh, <laughs> the technical difficulties we had last time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Last time we had Dr. Phillips on, we were trying to get it set up, but he was deployed. So there was about like a five second delay on Zoom. And I immediately was like, I'm not editing this. I'm not doing this. I'm not going to even start. This is canceled. Next podcast. <laughs> but yeah, so it's good to have you on now. Um, let's get right into it. Let's get into Underwaters, uh, a little bit of your background there. How did you get started with uh, Underwaters? What attracted you to it? Uh, so I was a, a pararescue candidate, um, a failed one at that, but uh, but that's obviously a, a big part of the the training for it. And kind of the the short story of it is, I just even after the end of the road uh, came for me, I still just kind of kept training in part because I, I enjoyed it, um, in part because I was uh, stationed in San Antonio, Texas at the time, so which is uh, you know where all the uh, initial pararescue training and selection takes place. Uh, so there was a lot of uh, other students around there. Um, and then being somewhat proficient at it, you know, I'd go to the pool and, and people would ask questions and you know, go over to Lackland Air Force Base um, to just open lap swim hours. And it's, I used to call it kind of like, like pick up water confidence. Yeah, so just kind of kept training you know, there for a while. And then um, basically when the end of the road officially came for me, yeah, I, Still kept training for myself also because I just was going through some tough times personally and, and professionally. And it was a it was a, an activity and a pursuit that uh, at least for the one or two or three hours a day that I was was practicing. Um, it was something that could still be very successful at and, and feel good about myself. Um, so then eventually when I, I left active duty and went into the reserves, um, you moved away from Texas. Uh, that's when about when the when the, the GoPro came um, and then I just started just randomly, I just kind of want to see what, my, what I look like under there to start. Um, and then I just said, hey, this looks kind of cool and put some put some videos up and, and got some good response. And then just kept putting more stuff up and people, people uh, kept reaching out. And one of the reasons also I kept kept at it too is because you know, even when I was done and there was you know, no chance I was going to get, get another chance, um, I still felt like I had a lot of information to share. And, and if I had just said, okay, I'm done, I'm, I'm quitting, um, no more water confidence ever again. I felt like it would be a shame that all of this information, wisdom that I accumulated would, uh, would just kind of vanish into the, into space and, and never be used by anyone again. And so at least it felt like I had some purpose in, in what I had gone through and, and what I had um, you know, learned and, and, you know, now just being able to, uh, share and, and pass it on to to other people. And, and that's, uh, you know, that's kind of what keeps me going. And also just as I was starting to come through, there were a lot of people who invested a lot in me of, of their own time. Um, and so just kind of, you know, like we all do, we try to pay it forward and, and uh, you know, respect the people who helped us get to where, where we are and uh, just try to pass it on to the next generation. What uh, did you feel like Underwaters brought to you when you were saying you were going through those either career or personal hardships a part of it was just the just feeling good about myself and ha having accomplished something that is pretty challenging and, and not a lot of people are, are very successful at um there's also just the the meditative aspect of you're under there and it's it's extremely quiet and and 
you know, that really the only way to be successful at it is to be fully invested and fully absorbed in, in the activity and pretty much everything that's happening outside the pool uh, kind of fades away for, for that time that you're, you're under there. So it really did those two, two big things for me is just number one, just the confidence. Number two, it was, it was really like a meditative practice. Mm. Yeah. I always say like the underwater world is kind of a different realm where all those sounds get muffled and it kind of becomes your happy place, especially when you consider it in rescue swimmer school. I think most successful graduates, they always see the underwaters as, yeah, kind of a time to reconnect. I mean, it's dreaded at, as well because it's so challenging, but it's also a time to reconnect with yourself and be in your quiet spot when everyone else was yelling like prior couple seconds. One question I did want to ask was, you know, you said you're pretty successful in the underwater world. What's one of your proudest achievements? Yeah, so, so I mean, individually, I, I, I mean, there's some workouts that I feel good about doing. And uh, I guess I remember one particular workout doing um, you know, 10, uh, 10 underwater. So 10 with the, the way the Air Force does it. So 25 meters underwater, 25 surface swim back. Um, and I was just having a great day um, and, and did 10 on the, the 110 um, and which you know, other people have done, but just the way I, I could have, how easy it felt, uh, that was a really good day. But, but really the thing that makes me the proudest is seeing people that I've worked with over time, you know, finally getting their berets or getting, getting through, um, through selection. Because I know in, in the big picture of, of underwater performance, you know, what, what I do is it's, you know, I don't swim 200, 250 meters underwater. I don't do you know, some of the, the uh, free diving stuff that, that you're able to accomplish events. So uh, yeah, I try to focus on um, you know, really what I'm able to pass on to, to other people. And just the fact that I'm you know, still able to, to do this as someone who, who was you know, pretty much failed out of the community. Essentially, I was, you know, never went to dive, never went to AST school, never went to um, you know, any of those things. And so the fact that, um, you know, the fact that I get to talk to guys like you and the fact that, you know, people come from, from around the country to, to work with me and, and thinking I have something to share with them. I think that that makes me pretty, uh, pretty proud. And it's very rewarding. It's yeah. such a unique niche brand that you got going on right now, like the underwater expert. And it is a, a huge challenge. And so you were talking about basically what we call sprint down underwater backs. You sprint at the surface and then you come back underwater. And yeah, that's one of the things we, we talked about in the breath holding course is to me and most, a lot of candidates, that's one of the most challenging things you'll have to do in, in rescue swimmer school. And yeah, we would have to do, I think, occasionally, I think we did it a couple of times on the minute, right, Cody? Is that what we'd have? I don't remember specifically. I think, uh, Dr. Phillips, are you talking about... Uh, for the 25 meters, are they the, you do the under meter, underwater 25, and then you come up and do like push-ups or no? Is that no, so that's 10 ups. 10 ups, um, so, okay. Yeah, so those, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that exercise is where um, usually you're at the, across the deep end of the pool. So usually in most pools, the six to eight lane pool, it'll be right. like 17 to 20. Well, you'll do one push-up, dive in, swim across, get out front leaning rest, two push-ups, right. and so forth. And then eventually they build up to, uh, you know, full OCPs, you know, full uniform um, with the, um, you know, the BC vest. So, yeah, I've never, I've never done that drill at all, but I thought it sounds incredibly challenging. We don't do that in swimmer school, but I feel like we should, or at least start doing it. Because 
at least not in uniform, maybe in wetsuits, but still it's a great, a great exercise. A lot of the B-roll footage I did use though for our recent class, that perfect form, we were doing at one point in swimmer school, a drill where we were doing the, yeah, the chin, the chin ups out of the pool. So okay. into an, un, like into an underwater, which was really challenging because oh, you had to like similar. control your breath while doing those, like those pullouts out of the pool. And, and it was like a high ledge. It wasn't like a low ledge. It was like <laughs> above your head and you had to really kick while trying to get your breath back is pretty challenging yeah there's no place to no place to rest no uh, like your rest is uh, you know, front leaning rest which isn't really really rest yeah yeah pretty brutal <laughs> and it's so true though like I, I think that's a as you get older type of thing you start to get a little bored with your own achievements of whatever feet or athletic endeavor you're pursuing and then you truly do get the joy from seeing others people's success and you're like oh this is where i get my second strive uh, and my you know excitement again because after a while i feel like you're like all right i mean I, of course i can always be better and i can always improve but eh, i'm a little bored with that too you know <laughs> and you can always it's you can have a you know it's only one person you know you can only do your own own thing but when you're helping other people succeed you can there's really an infinite amount that that you can that you can uh, influence yeah totally true yeah what's like your step-by-step -step process when you have a new candidate and you're training them in in the underwater i'm sure it's individual as well but you know what what do you kind of start and how do you build them up it will of course as you mentioned it's individual depending on where they are whether they're a beginner whether there's someone who is pretty far along but just needs to be refined uh, but Pretty much for everyone, yeah, you know, we'll start with like the very beginning, working on uh, just their push off and their their glide and their streamline. And usually, the first thing we'll do is this. Okay, I just want you to. I mean, usually I'll just say, "Hey, go go ahead, do an underwater. Let's just see where we're at." Um, but after that point, almost everyone, we, there's something we can improve with their glide. So I'll just say, "Okay, push off, glide, go as far as you go, can go until you stop, and then come back to the wall. We'll talk about it." And you know, sometimes we need to spend you know, five, six, eight reps, tweaking things. Sometimes it's something really small and they nail it the first time. Then after that, we'll, we'll do a glide and then one pull out. And then, um, then we'll do pull out and then another glide. And then basically just building up until, until we get to a full, um, you know, full, uh, 25 yard or 25 meter meter underwater. And then, and then at that point we'll start either, um, you know, then we'll start getting into adding the, the time piece into it and, and say, okay, how does this hold up under, under a bit of stress? I mean, usually I, I'm not, we won't go into you know, too much intensity when, uh, when people work with me, just because we're mainly focusing on technique, but it's still important to, to push those limits a little bit because what works when you're feeling great sometimes breaks down when it's, when it's uh, a little more challenging. So that's uh, where we can you know, see where some of the weaknesses still are and maybe we need to step back and, and refine something a bit more. Or yes, probably the most common thing to see is someone you know, glides really great for that first length of the pool and for the first rep or two. But then after we get to reps five and six, then you know, they start just fast stroking it for the, for the second half. And then we just need to remind them, hey, you know, go back to your, your glide, but usually we'll start from that, that very beginning, whether it's uh, someone going for you know, air force special warfare, whether it's a uh, uh, rescue swimmer candidate, whether it's someone going for buds, uh, you know, literally go back to that first glide and, and push off and, and you know, getting that body position nailed down perfectly. Let's break it down. What, uh, yeah. can you describe the body position? 
so it's, it's really no different than, um, you know, like regular swimming, you, know, you basically want your body in a, in a preferably straight line and you're regular swimming, you're pinching your biceps to your ears, hands, uh, overlap. That's one of the big things that I do find people, uh, you're missing a bit as they end up with their hands apart in some ways, some, sometimes as wide as being like, like Superman. Um, but, but, uh, usually most people, um, don't know to you know, overlap the hands on, on top of each other. Um, then of course, you know, keeping the core tight when you're doing that initial push off, um, you know, legs close together, toes pointed, and that's for the initial push off. You know, as we get further into the length, we can talk about, you know, how much you need to focus on kind of keeping things really tight versus, versus being relaxed and maybe allowing things to, to, um, get, you know, out of line for lack of a, a better term. Uh, but in terms of the push off, you know, making sure everything is, is super straight, looking straight down, um, educating people on, you know, it's going to be different for everyone, but let's say you're going, let's say it's a eight foot pool, you know, finding your perfect angle for how quickly you want to get to toward the bottom of the pool, because, you know, as we know, it's, it's going to be a lot, lot easier swimming close to the bottom. Um, so some people it's, obviously it's, it's not, you know, just go straight down because that would be a waste, but also you don't, you don't shoot out at like a 20 degree angle. So you're trying to get to the bottom and say the fourth lane out, it's somewhere in between and it's going to be different, uh, different for everyone. So just making people aware that, Hey, it's, you're going to have to play with the feeling of how, how are you going to angle yourself um, off the wall? Um, the other thing too, that that's what I was alluding to before, that will be different compared to just regular swimming. So in the Air Force, they have these big, giant, high-volume, um, you know, Atlantis uh, masks, uh, dive masks. Uh, so for those, you actually don't want your biceps, or yeah, you don't want your biceps over your ear. You actually want them to be more kind of off to the side of the of the mask to keep it secure. Because if you push off fast, uh, whether it's doing underwaters or whether it's doing a surface swim, the mask is very likely going to to come off, or, or at least a seal break, and you'll. You'll know, flood uh, your mask. You'll flood yeah. your mask uh, unintentionally. Um, I don't have as much experience with some of the the smaller volume masks. I don't know how, how true that is in terms of uh, repositioning the biceps, but um, that's definitely something uh, with the uh, with the high volume masks uh, that we uh, want to work with. Um, and then probably the, the other main point with uh, with the breakout with the push off is you're keeping your eyes at the at the bottom of the pool. Uh, because it's it's incredible how much drag it creates, even just lifting your head ever so slightly. Um, now, with the high volume mask, your head's going to be up a, a little bit just because of the nature of having to uh, have your hands more forward or your biceps more forward to secure it in place. Um, but um, in general, you want your head as, as straight down as possible um, because and especially in a, a sterile environment where there's no harassment, like there, I, I promise you the instructors are not going to move the wall further, further out. You know, it's going to be six, six lanes or eight or, or whatever it is. It's not going to change. Um, so there's really no need to, to look at the wall other than just, just being, um, you know, not confident in yourself. Um, so, you know, I mean, we talked a lot about just, just that push off and, and we're, you know, we're one stroke into it. So um, there's a lot that goes into it. <laughs> Yeah, I love hearing all the minutiae of everything you were saying, like just the angle of your dive. Because, yeah, the buoyancy is something you're trying to fight and you're trying to get rid of as soon as possible. So it's, it is important to get to the bottom. 
But if you're just banking it straight down and then hitting another 90 degrees to continue underwater, well, that's not efficient. But if you're prolonging that that depth, now you're fighting the buoyancy and you're kicking harder off the start for longer. So it's really fun. And that's those are the things that with more experience, you get to really break down. And that seems like you're educating people on. Um, and that's interesting as far as like the hand stacking that we're talking about. That's one thing we talk about in both our courses now, I guess, uh, perfect form and the hold your breath. I would describe that I was personally one of the few that I would always have my hand stacked in front. And then I was also doing when I had fins, I would do the dolphin kick, but most individuals were doing the uh, flutter kick. I don't know per se that I preserved more energy, but to me it felt more streamlined and I felt like I was cutting that water a little more efficiently. And that's kind of what I say in the course. I'm like, yeah, pick your poison, but always trying to minimize drag because even in the videos that we put up you'll see the other candidates next to me with like the loosey-goosey like spaghetti arms on the side i don't know they seem pretty calm uh but i was always doing like kind of the the razor blade cut as i was uh doing my underwaters especially with fins yeah it's pretty legit i didn't i never crossed my arms or like tried to stay streamlined and it, it hurt a lot so you always had <laughs> you always had good underwaters so that's nice <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because one of the things I guess it does when you have your loosey-goosey arms is your shoulders are really a whole other wall, right, that you're pushing. Yeah. So I would assume it is a more efficient manner to do um, the arms cross. What are your thoughts, though, Doctor, as far as uh, doing, like, the flutter kick versus the dolphin kick when you're finning? Uh, so I've found, if, I mean, for long distance, um, you know, generally, you know, the, the flutter is going to be, be a lot more uh, sustainable. Uh, ultimately, I, I do think it depends on like what you're you're good at. Um, so, you know, all things being equal, you know, if you're proficient at both, the uh, you know, the dolphin's probably going to be be faster, and the the flood is going to be more sustainable. Um, but that said, if like if you're going to school in, in two weeks and you just can't do the dolphin, uh, you're better off probably just sticking with with the flutter than trying to do dolphin just because someone told you dolphin is is better totally right yeah the dolphin might be good for someone with a, a really good like big swimming background because i know they teach that for you know like collegiate and high school swimmers kicking off the wall and freestyle strokes and stuff like that so just depends on your background i guess i was just stationed in hawaii before and i was doing a lot of hula dancing so i think my hips were loose hula. i just felt like ready to oh, go yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um let's uh well you know i do want to break down a little more technique so you, you talked about the the what do we call it? The start, the, what's the word you're leaving? Push off. Yeah. Push off, break out. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about a little bit more when you're in the middle section of your underwater, what are some tips and tricks to keep in mind at that point? Yeah. So part of it is, is, uh, is mental too. So I like to, I like to compartmentalize or, or compress the, the activity. So like, if you look at just a single 25 yard, 25 meter underwater, it's like when you push off, that's like, that's basically free money. You know, it's, it's not hard. It's like anyone can do it, but that's going to get you, you know, say, you know, a fifth or fourth of the way across the pool, whatever you're, you're going to get some distance away across the pool with, with basically zero effort. And then the last little bit, it's like, okay, anyone can make it an extra five, five yards or so. So when you add those two together, then you just have really that, that middle piece that you have to really focus and, and, and bear down on. Um, so, you know, I, I do think one of the most important things, number one, is just having the awareness that, that, you know, the tendency is going to be, you know, you feel, 
feel great in the first half and fresh and you you're holding those nice glides and then in the second half you start to start to get a little little squirrely a little spicy and 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 then start uh, cutting off the glides and and wanting to get to the the wall sooner but but you in pursuit of that immediate gratification you, know, you pay the price of the uh, the spiked heart rate um so so part of it is just you know the mental side of the saying hey just try to make my second half as as good as my first half of uh, it it's you know it's something that technically you've proven that you can already do it's not that you're not we're not asking you to make any stroke uh, you know in a superhuman stroke it's just make the same stroke that on, on strokes three and four and five that you made on strokes one and two uh, so, yeah, so it's going to be different for, for everyone in terms of what works for them. Some people like to just you know, kind of tune out and go to their happy place, you know, in the a psychological literature to call it, you know, disassociation um, or in the, or the opposite being association where you immerse yourself even more into the task. Uh, so for me, I, I like to just really focus, just do kind of an internal checklist on, on stuff. Like, so for me, it's, it's, what I always find it's helpful is, is focusing on the head because, you know, we all, we all want to take a peek and see, see where that, that wall is. Uh, but it's, it's so amazing when you get your alignment down perfectly, you, you'll notice like, Oh, I, I got like a half stroke. I got a half stroke closer, a half stroke less for that length when I was just perfect with my alignment and you can just feel the water how much smoother the water flows over the back of your head as opposed to when you have your head up just a little bit and and it's it's crashing into you so i mean the simplest answer from the middle of the length is you know, you've you know assuming you've made a good stroke and you're, you're confident and, and capable uh, to get more than halfway across the pool and in, in let's say a couple strokes maybe three strokes uh, which is which is still fairly acceptable you know you've yeah. shown you have a capable stroke for that then just keep doing what you're already doing and and whether it's whether it's taking yourself out of the situation uh to just go on autopilot or whether it's channeling your energy into something that's more productive whether it's you know something technical uh, whether it's you know the situational awareness of just looking around and maybe it's a, a and the harassment situation, you're trying to see where the instructors are, just whatever it is, um, just something that takes your mind to a, a productive, productive place and just do what was already working for you. Mm, totally. I loved you just harp on so many things that I've preached so much about. And yeah, keeping the head down is something you keep reiterating and I've, I've repeated so much. Sometimes people actually take it to heart too much and they put their head too far down and they're almost like looking at their toes. Now they're creating a reverse drag. Um, so keeping it in line is so crucial, but it's almost a beautiful metaphor of life is you'll get to your goal. Just keep on trucking, right? Don't look at the finish line. Just keep on trucking and then you'll get there and you'll be surprised at how quickly you did. But the second you start to peak and try to, you want to know when you're going to get there, that's when things get hard. You're like, oh my God, it's, it, it's never in my opinion, it's very rarely closer than you think. Every time you look up, you're like, oh my God, it's still so far. Why did I look? I should have never looked. And you always regret looking. You're like, I shouldn't have looked, <laughs> you know, versus <laughs> versus just keeping it down and just keep on kicking and you'll get there when you get there. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you do look, you've, it's, you've created a, a vicious cycle, then it's, it's going to take even longer. Yes. Yeah. That's right. You hadn't looked. <laughs> Yeah. And then going, going back to stroke efficiency, um, what would be like the max, I guess, strokes per 25 meters that you'd recommend someone? I know because a lot of times like we'll get candidates who are just like doing like 10 strokes per 25 meter. What would be kind of like a, a good baseline strokes per 25 meter as for, or pulls, I guess. 
Yes, seven is kind of the max. I mean, I okay. think most people, if, if you're who are successful or at least in the five range, you know, plus or minus, of course, um, relative to your know, body, your height and, and stroke uh, proficiency and just kind of the comfort in, um, you know, the happy medium of how much you glide versus how much you pull. But if you're under seven, you know, you're doing, you're doing all right. Right on. I'm assuming that changes a little bit with gear and clothes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. What, what would be the estimate for clothed? Yeah. So for, for with your know, full you know, OCPs, you know, the, the uniform, um, usually it's, it's about double, uh, double oh, wow. your, your slick number. Yeah, so if you're normally taking four or five, then you know eight or eight to ten. What kind of tips do you give as far as that goes and keeping streamlined? Because I know it's it's hard even to point the boots if you're doing that. I'm talking like sometimes I think you do these like boot swims underwater. Those are terrible. What do you recommend as far as stuff like that goes? Yeah, I think every little bit counts. Like there's still a glide. I think people the biggest mistake people make is completely cutting out the glide because you feel like you're just going absolutely nowhere and and you really aren't going very far but when you take you know, you've got those eight ten maybe even 12 strokes you know if you can get say six or eight inches extra glide which doesn't sound like a lot but you add that up over eight to ten strokes that's you know that can take off you know one full stroke almost and and that might not seem like a lot but but i guarantee you get to a point in the set where it's like man i wish i i wish i didn't have to take this one last stroke i wish i was one stroke closer to the wall you wish you had that one in the bank um so it, it's really just try to do the same that you would do with um you know regular underwaters you know it's all the same stuff and then of course you're not going to go as far um I, I will say that it does require some more just pure strength of you know with you know, regular swimming, regular underwaters, it's, it's probably, it's predominantly skill and not so much pure strength. Whereas with, once you start putting the gear on, um, there is a bit of pure strength involved. And, and I say that mainly from, you know, working with, uh, you know, some females who have been trying to, to get into the um, special warfare community where it's like, they're, you know, really solid with, with underwaters, um, slick and, and can do just as good, if not better than a lot of the guys, but um, because of just not having that that same upper body strength, and applies to males as well. Um, but there is a bit more brute strength involved uh, with it. But overall, it, it is a lot of just staying calm and doing what you already do well uh, with slick underwaters, and also recognizing too, like big picture, like the the training plan, like they they are they build in more rest. You're not going to be doing underwaters in full gear on your one thirties, you know, a minute, 30 seconds, just like you would, like, like you will get more rest, I, I promise. And, um, yeah, that's, that's just, just having that in mind too, um, comes into play. And, and then also this is where, you know, any freestyle inefficiencies uh, will come in because a lot of people do find that, that, yeah, the underwater, like once you get, get into the rhythm, the underwater piece of, of doing the the full gear um, underwaters yeah, is manageable, but you really get your heart rate up when you're swimming back to the start of with with the gear because you're 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 not only overcoming the the drag of of that the uniform is providing against you going through the water, but just just the drag of lifting your arm up and 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 pulling it and everything. Um, so you know, with that piece, you know, making sure that you're you know, if your hips tend to drop when you're doing regular freestyle, yet you, you have no chance with, with the gear on because they're going to drop. And if, 
they can't drop much further and you're swimming through like like it's a some uh, starfish or not starfish like some seahorse um yeah you're, you're gonna be in trouble yeah i mean cody and i talked about it in that new program there i mean that's why we came out with the, that perfect form program was to minimize on how much energy you got to put in and how much mental and physical energy just by focusing on the technique and i mean every sport really it does come down to technique regardless of how simple the sport seems but swimming and like these elite programs if you don't have it down it's just going to be so much harder so um and then another thing i want to talk about you were talking about disassociation because i do want to get into the mental game i've spent i think the longest chop chapter in that uh hold your breath course is uh i called it find your happy place which is kind of what you were saying right and i talk about just all these different techniques and mental tricks and tips that i would personally use and i know other individuals would use to go to a different place some of the examples is playing a song for me i always had the same song in my head actually by the end it was driving me bananas um and then another one was like yeah just admiring the beauty within that's all around you in the underwater world really focusing your eye on the the beautiful tile or whatnot the cracks the little micro details uh another tip was looking at your teammates and and know that they're in struggle too and that they haven't quit on you so you shouldn't be quitting on them as well um those are just some of the many examples of yeah kind of that disassociation not focusing on the fact that you're underwater and not breathing what are some tricks and how do you teach your students to defeat the mind yeah so so i tend to be like a you know very analytical very logical thinker so so i'll look at like some of the facts of the, the situation and you're reminding myself other people it's like you're doing an underwater you're not going to be under there for longer than 30 seconds at the absolute most. And even with gear on, you know, no more than, you know, 40, 45 seconds. Um, so it's really not that long of a, a time um, in and of itself. And even, you know, once you get to that last little bit of the length, you know, when you start to really, really feel it, you know, you're only going to be suffering for, you know, 10, 10, 15 seconds. So reminding myself that it's really not that long. Um, another thing, when I was getting started, uh, a big thing, and before I kind of had the library of experience to know exactly where, you know, where my thresholds were, um, it, it was very helpful to always, uh, you know, just know if I was trying to go for a PR or something, you know, having someone there too. Um, just reminding myself that like, Hey, you're, you're safer. You're probably safer at the bottom of the pool than you are driving to the pool. Um, statistically, um, just, you know, knowing that, Hey, it's, I'm not going to die. You know, the, I have, I have a buddy spotting me. I have, if, it, if it's at the course, you, know, you have instructors all over you. Um, so, being able to let go of, of that piece, um, you know, is, is certainly, certainly helpful. Like when I was starting, it's like, I, there was a big difference between even just something very small and routine, uh, a big difference between if I was doing it myself versus if I, my buddy was there, because even if it wasn't that hard, just, just knowing that, Hey, um, there's absolutely nothing bad that that's going to, to come of this. It, it might feel uncomfortable, uh, but th there's really no, I'm not going to die at all. Um, you know, one little trick that I use for like a set of underwaters, you know, if I'm doing say 10, I might just, if I want to do 10, I'll say, you know, what, I'm just going to do eight and you can quit after eight, give myself the permission to quit after eight, but I get to eight and it's like, oh, well, I just got two more. Um, so instead of thinking, oh, I, I got 10 to do, I, I just think, you know, we're, we're only going to do eight today. And then I, I get to eight and I know I'm just going to, going to, you know, drive on um, unless it's like a really bad day and just, you know, starting to feel really bad. Um, 
but then you know kind of we talked about with the um, you know, underwater itself i personally like i personally like to you know focus on some technique element whether it's you know the head position whether it's trying to just get that extra little bit more out of you know the grip on the water that resistance and that that pull uh, maybe holding the glide even just just a, a little bit longer uh, you know another thing that that's uh i like too is say okay i'm just i don't care what happens in the second half of the length i'm just gonna all i care about is i'm going to try to go as absolutely far as i can possibly go for for two strokes and then after that it's like hey do what you want um but usually it's like oh okay i've gotten i'm already almost there so i'm, I'm not gonna say okay well let's i'm not gonna say okay screw technique and let's just just uh power through at that point it's like oh i got because i i really focused on these first two two strokes and made them seem made them perfect i got a little further than i would normally get and like oh i'm i'm, I'm uh you know doing well and then so and i only have maybe a stroke stroke and a half left to go um so just uh, compressing the task in that way too it's it's cliche to say you know just focus on uh on the moment but some of that that is very true too the only thing you can control is that that single stroke that you're taking taking at that moment and you know if you're worrying about what's going to happen uh, and this applies to life in general as well it's like if you're worrying about the future you're worrying about something that that hasn't even happened yet you don't know what's going to happen happen the the end of the length you know you could you know, the instructor might come down and say, Hey, you know what? You did a great job on that half of the length. Yeah, come on up, have a break, you know, take a break on the side of the pool. You, you'll know what's going to happen. Um, so the only thing you can control is, is, um, you know, what's happening at that moment. And yeah, which, which kind of reminds me like uh, a friend of mine who went to, to Crow, so combat rescue officer selection. Yeah. They, they were had a, a pool session where um, they said they put one of the, um, uh, the boats, the, uh, the IVUs out in the middle of the, the pool. Um, and they said, I want someone to go three times around the pool um, with, uh, with no breath. And if, if uh, someone steps up and does it, then uh, we'll end the pool session. And then no one was going to do it. Then finally one um, uh, prior uh, PJ stepped up, he raised his hand. And then you know, everyone was like nervous, like, oh, is he going to die? Is he going to pass out? And they said, okay, just go three times around the circle, around the, the boat in the middle, and you're good. And then, and then they did it. It's like, oh, and the, the point of it being that, hey, you know, guys, you know, we, you don't know what we were going to going to ask. We just want to see who's going to step up and, and, and take the challenge. And, <laughs> and, and uh, so, yeah, so, so you literally never know what's, what's, what's going to happen, good or bad. And if it's, uh, yeah, and you, you can't control anything that's happening in the future. You can just set yourself up for success for what's going on in the future. And, and you certainly don't want to take away the quality of that, that current stroke by worrying about something else. And that's basically the manifestation, like we talked about earlier, of oh, I, I'm getting a little squirrely. I'm going to peek at the, peek at the uh, far end of the pool, or I'm going to, I'm going to quick stroke one and, 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 uh, you know, waste some, some energy and, you know, and, uh, make myself less successful, uh, going forward. So, you know, all the, those are some of the things that, that I kind of think about. Let's talk about shallow water blackout cause it's important yeah. and we mm -hmm. should have probably actually had a full disclosure at the start. You should yeah. only be doing underwaters with a trained professional or at hopefully a lifeguard or at least a buddy. Uh, let's talk about shallow water blackout. Do you ever experience it? Have you ever had students, uh, blackout? What can you teach us about it? Yeah. Number one is, I mean, it's a, it's a real deal. 
Uh, it's nothing to be, um, nothing to, to minimize, uh, minimize at all. And, and, you know, even if you're working within yourself, um, you know, the fact is, you know, if you were to have some, you know, you can be working within yourself. You can be on the first length of doing something, you know, two strokes into it and, and have a cardiac event. And, you know, the, and, you know, it's not that you were doing anything dumb. It's just, you're in a situation where you can't really, um, you recover yourself, uh, being, being subsurface. Um, you know, so I think it is, it is, some of it goes to training philosophy, uh, too, of, you know, in having done this myself for a while, like I know kind of numerically where, where my, my limits are. I know that if I'm doing underwaters on, you know, one, whatever that, okay, this is well within myself. And if, if I'm going to be fairly certain that I'm really comfortable or proficient at that before I, um, before I you know, move on, um, there's certain things I won't do on my own. Um, like I won't do 10 ups on my own, uh, you know, just because it's, uh, you know, it's like we talked about, there's no break in it and you get your heart rate up no matter how strong, no matter how fit you are, no matter how good your technique is, your, your heart rate's going to spike, uh, during that activity. So yeah, I won't do that. Um, you know, I won't do stuff deep at, at the bottom of the pool for like, I won't do say like ditch and Don, um, at the bottom of 15 foot pool, um, alone. Um, so yeah, I think being in relatively shallower water can kind of you know, mitigate your risk um, to an extent. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, whenever possible, um, be with a buddy, be with an instructor. Uh, yeah, I definitely wouldn't swim in the pool without a lifeguard um, at all. It's simply for the, the reason, you know, water confidence aside, just, just, you know, if you were to have some kind of cardiac event or asthma attack or something in your your subsurface you're not in a position where you can um where you can uh, recover yourself and then um yeah i mean those are the you know, really the main things don't be a don't be a hero in in training you know save and it goes to the philosophy too of the the, the goal of training in in a preparatory phase obviously it's a whole different animal when you get to a school um, but in the preparatory phase, the goal isn't really to improve your suffering tolerance. The goal is to really expand your, your, your comfort level. It's like, how, how, if can I do intervals on or underwaters on 130? It's not just about, okay, can I now just suck it off and can I do it on 120? It's how easy can I make these, these 130s, you know, and kind of staying within that, that comfortably, comfortably hard hard range, you know, when you're training on your own for the most of the time, or even with, with a buddy, um, you're working at a level that is, is challenging and, and you kind of feel like, okay, this kind of sucks. And I wish I wasn't, wasn't here right now, but not so much that like you see the world closing in and, and whatever. Um, so, so really just being smart about it is really, really the big thing. Yeah. Also avoiding the hyperventilating is definitely crucial yeah. to yeah. not blacking out and I won't break down the science of CO2 and all that right now, but yeah, that's usually what it is. And one thing I wanted to share though, that I did recently and it blew my mind and I want to share that with both of you guys right now. You guys ever heard of holotropic breath work? No. Oh man, this is, <laughs> th if you guys want like to have a trip, if you will, organically <laughs> with your body, 
that's <laughs> the way to do it. And I had the privilege of doing it recently in a, a yoga type of event and it was facilitated. You typically do want a facilitator, but I would strongly recommend looking it up. Holotropic breath work. What you're doing is you're taking these fairly, at least the way we did, I think there's multiple techniques to approach it. But the way we were doing it was taking a big ish inhale and then a immediate exhale and you're just repeating the process but there's no pause in between the inhale and the exhale and in a sense you are hyperventilating you're not doing it like very quickly yeah. you're not like <laughs> but you're doing it in a in a very methodical progressive and or not even progressive it's just constant basis and usually you'll do this for about up to an hour half of which is you're doing that breathing and then you usually come to a calm state but it brings your mind they actually warn you. That's why a facilitator is important is you might go to these very potential dark places and it brings your body and yeah, your thoughts to very unique places. Your body starts to get almost crepitous because you're depleting yourself of the O2. Everything starts to curl. And yeah, I was so close to going in, I'd say a beautifully dark place to you know reconnect with some of the sources of your pains and unfortunately i got like out of it because i was there uh, on a professional basis i was actually doing some film work but if i had that, that opportunity of doing the full thing i think i would have really gone into a, a unique place and it's something that i know a lot of military individuals wouldn't know about because it was you know it's it's a very grounded zen type of community that we don't necessarily interact with, but holotropic breath work, mind blowing. It was so exciting. Yeah, check it out. What's totally take, natural. What's the big takeaway. What's big takeaway take is uh, I would I would look into it, do your research, and it's yeah, it's a great. I think it's potentially a great uh, like therapeutic mental process to do. That's just natural using your own body. So yeah, like I mean, you know, I was like these these hallucinogens are getting legal it's not it's still not going to be the case for like military individuals but you know this is in a sense a way of of getting a different perspective just using your own breath which i thought was very unique and especially somebody with like a breathing and a like uh free diving background such as myself to get to just get that revealed to me i was like what you can do this this is a thing like that's i didn't know that was a thing you know and actually one a part of me for me it was really weird i think the t you get to see the tightnesses in different parts of your body and for me the the throat closed up and then my lips started getting super tight and my whole face was scrunching because again it's just like wherever you're keeping the tightness and the facilitator came up and he's like hold your breath and i didn't even think of like oh here we go but i was like i just took he's like hold your breath until you feel like you want to take a your next breath so i did and i think it turned into like a three and a half minute breath hold because they, apparently they were like the facilitators were talking they're like uh what's going on like it's been like why isn't he breathing and i was just in total in a total present grounded state it was weird because i was in that tight dark place and then the breath hold took me out of it and really put me into that flow state and i it wasn't like a trying to impress anybody or doing anything with the breath hold i just felt totally present and of course it's just easier to hold your breath when you're that yeah the whole co2 is purged at this point yeah so you have just no disclaimer urge to don't breathe. do that don't do this don't do that. exactly do the exact <laughs> opposite do the exact opposite but it felt very cool to do just out and it wasn't in the water it was just on the on the grass it was a really beautiful thing and then and then when i finally took my breath i was like so zen and calm um so again holotropic breath work 
do your Google search and it's pretty intense. I wouldn't just recommend doing it on your own, but it's really cool. Interesting. All right. Yeah. That's pretty cool stuff. I'll have to look into yeah. that. Holotropic breath holding. <laughs> yeah. Let's uh let's get into another drill that we get tons of questions about. And I'm sure you do too, is the egg beater. Egg beater, I guess, kick. I was always really bad at it going. I'm like famously bad at it going through summer school. I pretty much couldn't do it. So I was just flutter kicking all the time. And now I can kind of do it. So what would you recommend? I guess maybe like top three tips for a, a solid egg beater if it was like a click video title. <laughs> uh, so number one, make sure you have the have the hip mobility to, to be able to do it. Uh, you know, it's amazing when you teach people uh, how much quicker you know, people who have the mobility uh, are able to pick it up versus the people uh, who don't. Uh, you know, so if you don't have the mobility, it, it's just it's just like almost impossible to get into the positions to, to do it. Um, number two is just have, understand what it actually is. You know, the egg beater, you're trying to essentially create uh, circles or rotation uh, with your foot uh, beneath you to create this sort of microcurrent to help uh, buttress you upward um, toward the surface. And it's, so it's not so much of a pistoning up and down. You're really trying to uh, create circles uh, with your feet. Um, and then, yeah, you watch videos and it, it's not a hundred percent literally circles, but, but if you think of that concept and you think of, and you feel more circular than rotary, um, you're going to be going to be more successful. Um, and, and then, you know, if you are struggling with it, uh, you know, breaking it down and, and doing, you know, your wall drills, uh, that's where you can get some of that functional mobility too. So it's one thing to to you know, stretch your hips out and get them more flexible, but it's also, then you have to transfer it into the, the actual task. Um, so doing the work at, at the wall that allows you to really get comfortable with getting those hips and knees wide and um, keeping the knees up instead of letting them drop. Uh, you know, if you were to really simplify it um, as much as possible, it's, it's knees wide and high and just keep them there. And then, uh, yeah, that's probably the, the simplest, uh, you know, clickbaitiest way to yeah. think it. But, but, and also just recognizing that because it's such an unnatural movement to, to anything that we do um, in life, it's not like with, say, with, with running, like if you want to get better at running, like it, it, if you're walking, you know, you're at least having some base for, for that. Whereas no one walks around doing anything that remotely resembles the egg beater. Uh, so it's, you need to put in in the time and it's at least a five, six day a week thing uh, when you're starting right. and recognizing too, it, the progress is not at all linear. It's not like, okay, one day, I, you know, one week, I'm, you know, I'll take five seconds off my, my interval times. And next week I take another five seconds off. It's like, you could go weeks and feel like you absolutely suck and get nowhere. But if you stick with it and do the, the five, six days a week of, of focused training, um, you know, then, then one day you'll show up and be like, Oh, wait, this was hard. Why, why, why was this hard at one point? Yeah. I was just going to say, what about the flexibility between you know, that you require when you're doing the frog kick? Cause personally, even the breaststroke kick, right. Which is the same as the frog kick when you're underwater, I have the difficulty of the knee flexibility and opening up like that. How, any recommendations for that? Like, would you just say for some people, screw it, just quit and just do scissor kick, or if you should keep working at the frog kick? It's always if depending on how much time you have. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly worthwhile to try to Im try to improve it. Uh, you know, you can. There are ways with the kick. Like, if you were to uh, put your your thighs more into abduction, you know, which is spreading them apart more, um, you know, that can help. 
kind of uh, cheat the process a little bit. So if you, if you don't get enough motion from the rotational part of your hips and knees, you just borrow some uh, from another, another plane of movement um, is, is one way you can do it. Um, and just another thing, sometimes you, know, you might actually have mobility. It might just be a, a you know, coordination issue. Um, so sometimes almost like doing the opposite. So putting a pull buoy in between your thighs and then really the only way you can go forward is to, you know, is to get some of that rotation and, you know, you might actually have enough rotation. It might not be a lot, so you can maximize uh, the propulsive aspect, but it might be enough to competently do the motion. Um, and also recognizing that the, the frog kick, it's really not so much of a propulsive, uh, propulsive uh, element of the stroke. I mean, if you have a breaststroke background, um, sure, you, know, you, you might have you know, some stronger legs, but really the main purpose is to help smooth the transitions between the different phases of the stroke. We're not really relying on it so much to propel us very far across the, the pool. Um, so yeah, just, just, just some little ways to kind of work, work around it. Sweet. Cody, should we do speed round now at the end? What uh, the yeah. customers have wanted answered? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Customer questions. Let's pull them up Co real quick. Uh, yeah. I don't know why I call them customers. The, what I call yeah, them? the customers. RSM fans or like, yeah. <laughs> or just people training. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Okay. First question was, what's the best way to learn egg beater? So best way to learn it. I mean, your book, You, I, I read through your book when it first came out. Um, you had a ton of good drills in there. Land drills and water drills to learn it. So what would you say the best way to learn it would be just doing it six times a week? Yeah, basically wherever you are in the, you know, in the process, if, if it's so foreign to you that, that you, um, that you really struggle in the water, even doing a wall drill, then, then yeah, just doing practicing it on land. If you can't even do the motion on land and maybe you need to spend more time with the flexibility aspect. Um, but overall, I think the most bang for your buck is, is the wall drills because you do yeah. get, um, you know, you don't have to worry about, uh, propelling yourself. Um, but you're also getting the practice and that, uh, that feel in there, but also making starting slow. So really feeling, feeling the, the motion with it. So it's kind of the opposite of doing the real egg beater in the water where you want to be pretty quick at the wall, really start slow and feel, you know, feel that hip articulating in there. Yeah. Cool. I'll just plug your book essentials of military water confidence <laughs> on Amazon, because the book has all that, everything you need for freaking egg beaters, which I, I read through it and started practicing all those drills. I like this question. Uh, any tips on preventing that? Oh crap feeling when CO2 builds up during WaterCon? I'm assuming that's like that CO2 buildup in your muscles and stuff. It's going to be different for everyone. I think it, it really goes back to the discussion we had about the, the mental, uh, the mental side about, you know, it, whether it's, you know, I like to think kind of logically and, and okay, I have you know, think numerically, um, you know, it might be going to, you know, that happy place it might be thinking, thinking a song. Um, so it's really going to be different for everyone, but anything that gets your mind away from, from, oh crap. Yeah. Um, and, and then also just, just, you know, with training too, just to, you know, the fitter you get, the more you're going to be able to put that, uh, push that point further out. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I love the as associative nature. Like, Teaching, we always teach dissociation, like Vince sings his songs. I would just like think about something else, but associating, just thinking about technique is pretty, pretty smart and something I don't think we've really covered at all in the, in the past. So thanks for bringing that up. 
Another kind of interesting one, I guess, water in sinuses, how to prevent and or keep, I don't know. So basically like how to prevent getting that, I get that burning feeling in your sinuses. I honestly don't have a great answer yeah. for that one. I think some yeah, I of it say. is just, just kind of get used to it. Uh, some of it might be you know, technique uh, too. If you're, if you're inefficient with your, your mass clearing, uh, for instance, then yeah, you're going to have more of that that sinus burn I and mean, that's where i tend to see it the most with people is is with mass clearing and it's usually with people who are who the you know the technique isn't great and maybe they're breaking the seal of the mask too much and every time they blow out there's more coming in just because the seal's broken so much um so sometimes it can be just a purely a technical issue is it accurate when i typically instruct to preserve all your air until the resurfacing phase yeah, for like doing an underwater, yeah, yeah. I, I personally don't uh, see great value in kind of the gradual uh, letting bubbles out. Um, so yep. yeah, I, I'm I fully agree. Nice. I think most free divers as well. Um, that's pretty much the the norm until you're just at, and your resurfacing phase, then you can exhale and it'll just make the you can take your immediate breath um, as well as like that way you're prepared for that breath once you resurface. But yeah, okay. The other question, last one I had was just, I guess, say if you're a year out from going to whatever training you're going to, um, how many days a week would you recommend getting in the pool practicing water con? I know it varies, you know, depending on your, your background, but what would you say? I know there's like, there's huge diminishing returns, you know, if you're just going seven days a week for three hours, what would you say would be a good balance? Yeah, I, I think it, it, I mean, four to six, obviously, you know, pool access is, is a big, is a big issue. Um, yeah, and then you know, like you alluded to, I think quality is more important. I think frequency is important though too. Um, I'd much rather see you know someone you know spending an, an hour, hour and a half of really focused quality practice than in there for three hours just kind of doing doing whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's you know six. If all things being equal, let's say you know quality practice, you have a good plan. Uh, you know, six days a week would really be really be ideal. Um, that said, it also depends what, um, you know, kind of what pipeline you're going for, where your strengths and weaknesses are. I mean, also how much training, other training you have to do. You know, we didn't really talk about that too. It's like, um, you know, it's six days a week is, is great. But if you know, you're, you have, you, know, you have your running and your cows and your rucking and, and basic strength work, if, you know, if as a result of trying to fit all that in, you're sleeping like four hours a night and then, yeah. then, um, yeah, I'd probably cut back on the six days a week at the pool, but um, really as much as you can that fits uh, into a well-designed schedule. Very well. Awesome. Yeah, Dr. Alan Phillips, uh, anything else that, any last imparted wisdom that you can share with our viewers? Yeah, I guess one other little nugget um, when we, we got, um, when we were talking about like the hyperventilation and stuff. And one thing I see a lot with people is, when we'll do, okay, let's show me an underwater and they'll, they'll be at the wall and they'll take this big giant breath in and I'll go. And, and it's like, you know, it's well within their capability to do a single underwater. And it's like, well, why do you take that big breath? And they're like, oh, I don't know. I feel like I need the air. And so, so I always tell people try to make, and this goes for water confidence as a whole, is like trying to make it as like routine as possible. And, and like, really it, it helps your whole mindset as well. It's like, okay, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm doing an underwater. Okay. Time to go. I go, I don't have to rely on, on kind of psyching myself up for just to do a regular underwater. Yeah. If you're going to do say a 50 or you know, if you're doing some you know, intense event where you know, you're going to have 
you know, prep time for it. Let's say you're doing the whole drone proofing sequence or whatever. Um, yeah, go ahead, get your, you know, get whatever you um, special prep you need, but I would get out of the, get into the habit of just being as routine as you can when you go through everything. Um, and that's, that's just something that I try to do when I practice too. It's like, think of this look like a professional um, because uh, some people ask is like, you know, I, I can't uh, you know, worry about, um, you know, or the life doesn't let me, let me, you know, do underwaters or, or, or whatever. And it's like, if you, you know, if you do some stupid stuff and every time you come up to the surface, you're panting and gasping for air, then, then yeah, they're going to say, Hey, cut it out. But if you, if you, you know, look like a professional where you stage your gear, the way you walk, your, walk around the deck, the way you carry yourself, the way you, you surface, you know, proper ascents and look like a professional and act like a professional, you're, you're just going to be better and more confident and more proficient at, at everything you do. Classic look strong, be strong. And oh, yeah. typically you get left alone. If people are seeing that you're unfazed, then they're going to say or think, all right, well, this is a waste of my time. The second you <laughs> give them an inch, they're like, oh, well, let's, there's a pain point. Let's go play with it. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much, Dr. Allen. Yeah, thank you. Go follow uh, Dr. Allen Phillips' Instagram page. Do you want to just like say your Instagram? I guess is it tag like Instagram hashtag? You're at. Yeah, yeah. it's at the uh, Al Phil A L P H I L L four three zero five. Okay. Uh, that's my um, where most of my water stuff is, and then for my. Uh, in my physical therapy practice, it's at the kettlebell dock. Perfect. Um, so you can find me in those two places. Cool. Yeah. Lots Excellent. of great videos on there. All right. Thanks again. Thanks, guys. All right. That was it for this episode of the Rescue Swimmer Mindset Podcast. That was Dr. Alan Phillips. Check out his links. We are, again, coming out with the Perfect Form Masterclass. Pre-orders are now. It's a significant discount. Check it out, Perfect Form Masterclass, which is on rescueswimmermindset.com. A lot of the stuff we talked about as well as, uh, you know, what's cool with that program too is we've included a lot of the hold your breath content in there. So you get a little bit of bang for your buck as well as to interact. Well, interact. You get to be taught by both Cody and I in our best proficiencies, which, you know, you had the egg beater, you had the buddy towing i was doing kind of more the freestyle breakdown it's oh, just yeah. good it's good balance perfect form masterclass. good stuff definitely and let's just kind of say stay tuned for for more podcasts we're kind of back from break so we're gonna be getting into it we got a good one coming up we won't even disclose it because it's gonna be awesome it will be cool. a historic podcast here we go all, all right, right.